Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Bad Broadcast. Happy Monday. If you are listening to this on Monday, January 11th, the Funny for a Girl sweatshirts and t-shirts are available for pre-order on my website. Those will be available until tonight at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. There will not be a regular release of these sweatshirts again. So they are only available for pre-order today. So go grab one if you want one. Also, while you're while you're on your phone, if you could hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. That would be wonderful. It helps keep the podcast on charts. It helps new listeners find us and it helps the podcast grow. It's really just the most helpful thing you can do. So pretty boring week, right? Am I right? No? No? Oh, it was the most chaotic week of all time. That's what it is. Okay. Well, one day, one day I'm going to sit down and record an episode and I'm going to say, wow, what a boring week. And it's actually going to be true. So obviously this was not a boring week. This was a very chaotic and at times scary week here in the US. I don't need to recap any details. I'm also not a hard-hitting news source, so I'm not going to, you know, let you in on details that you can't find anywhere else and from somebody smarter and much more reputable. However, I do want to offer a little bit of commentary because there's always the conversation whenever anything like this happens, there's always the con- <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm I'm laughing because this I can say the sentence whenever something like this happens. And I find it so interesting that a lot of influencers take the route of saying something like this is not who we are America. That we have lost sight of what it means to be an American. A lot of people say that, but it's interesting because if you say that every 2 weeks, can you really say this isn't who we are? Because it seems like it's kind of our personality now. Like at first we were dabbling in it. It's like a girl who starts dating a guy and she starts to get into his interests. And then all of a sudden it becomes her entire personality. Like that's what America has done with uh, everything. So there is some commentary going on about what an, an influencer's role is when things like this happen. I don't know if there's a set rule. I am the type of follower and consumer that I appreciate it when influencers do say things. I have decided to talk about how I feel on Instagram about some political things. Usually when there is a clear black and white, like this past week had with the thing that happened at the Capitol, that that felt pretty black and white, that I felt entirely comfortable saying how I felt about what happened. And some influencers don't want to say anything. And some influencers want to say, hey, we're not talking about that here because Instagram's an escape and I want this to be a place of peace, love, and joy. It's just up to you what you want to follow. A lot of people are going to tell you that you can't follow people for X, Y, and Z, but that is that is your choice. When you follow somebody on Instagram, you are casting your vote pretty much for their success. And when you unfollow, like you can unfollow them. <laughs> like I'm so confused when people DM influencers and they're like unfollowing. It's like, cool. I would have seen, I, I see who, like, 
I see how many people unfollow me every week. Like, you're not delivering any news to me. Just if you don't like my stuff, unfollow me. But telling me that you're unfollowing me really isn't going to change much. And all it's going to earn you is a screenshot to my husband so we can giggle at it. Like, it's not it's not important for you to specify why you want to unfollow somebody. But if you want to unfollow somebody for a political thing, that's entirely within within your rights since we're on the topic of rights. You can do that. So I personally like when people post about it and talk about it. And when they start discussions, I think that's a very important thing. And I really appreciate when influencers do it. However, I'm not going to tell you exactly how to feel about it because, you know, sometimes people see that influencers don't post anything and it really bothers them. Some people see that influencers don't post anything and they're totally cool with it. So I don't know what the rule is, but it's just it's just up to you what you want to follow and what you want to put in your brain and on your feed and who you want to interact with. So I don't know if that was even helpful. Did I just offer like the most lame advice of all time? Probably. Sometimes I I say sentences and I think they're going to be like really hard hitting. Like I think they're going to offer some really like sage advice. And then I listen back and I'm like, what? Why? That was not helpful. But anyway, let's get into our topic for the day. So we're let me, let me preface this. Okay, if you are a, you know what, it doesn't even matter what your, what your demographic is. Today's topic is about um, lady problems, lady bits, if you will. And there will be ample discussion about female anatomy, about the horrors of it. And I'm not gonna take out, you know, anatomical words. I, there's every single story here has to do with something in between your legs. But I'm just giving you a warning because I know a lot of you listen with kids or with your husband and I'm just giving you an out now if you want to wait till you can listen to this in headphones because I'm going to say a lot of the the words that people usually don't want to say into a microphone and then upload to the internet. So um, I'm going to give my parents and my family just just a chance to just back out right now because we're getting into the nitty gritty. Because you know what? Everything about female anatomy is just dripping in shame. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about the pleasures or the horrors of it. And I'm just kind of over that. 2021, normalized periods, normalized discharge, normalize everything that has to do with between our legs because I'm so sick of not feeling like we can talk about it or feeling awkward when I have to go buy tampons. Like, how is buying tampons still embarrassing? Like, how is that? Like, and I'm saying this for myself. I still feel embarrassed. Like, if I have tampons in my cart and I run into somebody like at Target, I am instantly mortified. Why are we so mortified about something that our body is biologically programmed to do? It's actually quite a healthy and extremely normal thing to bleed. And we just cover that in shame and we let other people do it too. So we are taking that down today. So we're doing all sorts of horror stories, gynecologist appointments, um, childbirth, waxing gone wrong, period horror stories. We have a whole bunch to talk about. And this was by far my most answered question. Like it, and it wasn't close. It was not close to the the last ones that I thought I had a lot of submissions to. So I got like over 500 stories to read, which it was a lot of vagina stories to read. I'm not going to lie to you, but I felt, I felt so empowered, like reading these experiences that so many of us have had. Some of these, uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody in the world has had, but some of them are just like, they bond us together as women. And I think it is, I mean, in a sentimental way, I do think it is pretty powerful. And I don't have any to contribute of my own, any particularly horrible stories. Um, The only thing that I could think of that was like my worst OBGYN appointment was when I tried to get an IUD. And I I like hesitate to share the story because I don't want to scare people out of getting an IUD. I feel like usually I tell people that I didn't have a good experience and then they're like scared of getting one. But millions of women get IUDs every single day and it takes 10 seconds and it's not a problem and it's nothing to be afraid of. I just happen to have um, some some roadblocks uh, in my body that were not allowing me to get an IUD. So when I when I went to get an IUD, I passed out hard, passed out real hard. I have this thing called not I don't have it. It's not like a condition. But I tend to vasovagal, which I learned this about myself a while ago. But let me tell you what vasovagal is. So it is 
when you faint because your body overreacts to certain triggers, this is straight from Google, when you faint because your body overreacts to certain triggers, such as the sight of blood or extreme distress, it may also be called neurocardiogenic syncope. Syncope? Yeah. The vasovagal syncope trigger causes your heart rate and blood pressure to drop suddenly. So it's something about when your, it also includes like when your blood pools in your feet, like in your, in your legs, it's not getting pumped back up because your heart, something with your heart. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Okay. All I know is that I pass out a lot, but it helps if I lift my legs over, like if I can lay down and lift my legs up. So that was really my worst gynecologist appointment. She tried to put the IUD in and it took like 45 minutes. She couldn't get it in. I passed out. Uh, Matt was crying. I woke up and I was like, why are you crying? And he was like, Matt is so tender. Like I, I wish everybody knew just how tender Matt is. He really has like the kindest heart ever. And so I wake up, he's bawling. I'm like, why, why are you, why do you get to cry? And he's like, it's just really scary seeing you in pain. I'm like, oh, is it? I was so mad. <laughs> like now looking back, it was really sweet, but I'm like, you don't get to cry while I'm in pain, but I digress. So that's kind of my worst IUD or a like vagina story, but you guys really did not let me down on these. So let's just get into it. So she says, so not only is this a bad gyno experience, but it all, it's also my most embarrassing moment like ever. So I went in for a pap smear and we don't even get me started on the words pap smear. There has got to be a better way to say that. Like, why not just like a, a checkup, an internal checkup? Why do we have to call it a pap smear? Don't slide in my DMs and tell me why it's called a pap smear. I already Googled it. It's named after somebody named Pap, and it's called smear, or his, his name's not Pap. Like, his last name's, like, it's short for his last name. And then they say smear because it's what you do with the sample, whatever. I don't care. It's a bad word. I don't like it. So, sorry. She goes on. I went in for a pap smear, and we already know how awkward that is. My OB is amazing, and he's a man. Okay, I just have to pause here again. When are we going to talk about male OBGYNs? I'm not saying that every single one of them is weird. I just, I find it interesting that they choose that field. I think a lot of people have wonderful experiences with male gynecologists, but I just don't know if I would want to be with one, mainly because I'm like, you don't know exactly how this feels or what the pain is like. And I like when people feel bad for me. So I like having female doctors because they usually uh, feel worse for me because they understand the pain. So I'm not saying that male OBGYNs are bad in any way. I know somebody out there has a husband or a dad or a brother who's an OB and is great at his job. I'm sure I just, I want somebody who will feel bad for me. So she goes on, my OB is amazing and he's a man. He delivered my daughter and he works with my mother-in-law. So we had a pretty good relationship. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but that's what I'm going with. Anyway, I also need to preface this story by saying I am not a small woman. I have plenty of junk in the trunk and some nice thunder thighs. Same. So I'm on the table, spread eagle with my legs in the stirrups. And he's down there doing his job. And suddenly something doesn't feel right. Not in my nether regions, but in my leg. All of a sudden, I get a crazy Charlie horse and my legs just close without any warning and with him down there. I'm sure you can imagine what happened, but if you can't, I put him in a headlock and it was dark for him, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so she clamps her thighs. To her <laughs> her OV is in between her legs, just probably digging around, and she slams her knees shut with his head in between her knees. So I end up sliding off the table and landing as he slides back on his wheelie chair. It all happened so quick. When he sat up straight after being basically assaulted, he looked so disheveled and just asks if I was okay. I answer that I was fine and I just had a Charlie horse and I and apologized to him. It was so incredibly awkward. I knew what had happened and he knew what had happened, but we weren't going to talk about it. Then I noticed that the sanitary paper they put down on the table was clenched between my butt cheeks and without skipping a beat he pulls it out <laughs> without skipping a beat he pulls it out like a magician doing the tablecloth trick and puts it back on the table smooths it out and tells me to hop back up I literally wanted to die and haven't been back since really starting us off with a bang here I think that 
putting your gyno in a thigh headlock while you have no pants on is actually something that I have never heard anybody else dealing with. So, oh my gosh, that is so good. Okay, next. After I gave birth to my first, I was told that I had no tearing. Great. Awesome. I felt spared from the nightmarish vaginal tears that I had heard about through pained expressions. It was all well and fine until I had to pee. It was so painful that I cried again, again, and again. I kept pleading with the nurses to check me for a tear because it hurt so badly. They assured me that I was fine and that my chart said I had no tears. I kid you not, they seriously didn't believe me and I thought it was all in my head. Before I left the hospital, my OB finally checked on me and said I was fine. At home, the problem continued and I was so desperate for... I was so desperate that I asked my husband to look at the spot that was hurting. Embrace for TMI. My clitoris. Is it clitoris or clitoris? I think it's clitoris. When he touched the spot to confirm, the pain sent me through the roof. I continued to cry in pain every single time I peed. Finally, at my six-week postpartum checkup, my doctor confirmed that I had granulated tissue... Uh granulated tissue, which is extremely tender and painful to begin with, but it was made worse with its placement. He told me that it had to be cauterized. On top of that, I had to wait another two weeks to have this two-minute procedure and that and that he wouldn't be able to give me the local anesthetic because it would be too painful. So after eight weeks of hell, I had to lay on the table half naked, feet in stirrups, in a room with four quiet strangers while a man pressed a searing hot rod on my clitoris for a full minute and a half with nothing to numb the pain. I just laid there gripping my husband's hand, eyes closed and silent. My husband said it was hard to watch because smoke rose from my clitoris. <sighs> that truly, that sounds like medieval torture. That sounds like, oh my gosh, I hurt on every possible level 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 <laughs> I got tongue tied because I am so upset a searing hot rod on your clitoris first of all the clitoris I'm pretty sure I don't know correct me if I'm wrong I'm not I'm not a doctor but I have watched like four seasons of Grey's Anatomy so like am I kind of a doctor yeah but I'm pretty sure that it has more nerve endings than like any other body part in any gender ever like that is not a that's not a dull pain when you feel that oh my gosh even the term granulated tissue I don't know something about that I think granulated sugar I think something say oh I'm so sorry honestly dm me so that I can like buy you a box of cookies because that sounds truly like the most painful experience okay let's let's go on so this is just a general complaint ovulation pain, WTF. Not only do some of us have to suffer through monthly period cramps, but I fall in the unlucky group who experiences ovulation pain. I too, I am also in this group. I have really, really bad ovulation pain. I can literally feel what side I am ovulating on each month. For about a day and a half, I get sharp bloated pains on whatever side my uterus is dropping my egg that month. To make things worse, it has the stupidest name. It's called middle schmerz. <laughs> I knew this actually, which means middle pain. I tried going on birth control to get rid of this issue, but that brought on a whole other mess of problems. Mood swings, breakthrough, bleeding every month, and weight gain. I've decided to quit the pill and just deal with the natural monthly pains instead. Being a girl is rough. Here's the thing about periods. I'm sure that I've said this on an episode before because it is a very common complaint for me. Periods people who don't have a period don't understand that it's not just like a couple days out of the month because your body has like, it has like three weeks of preparation and then a week after of recovery. So every single time you have a, your period, you've also been dealing with stuff before and after. And yeah, I get really bad ovulation pain. The way I describe it, like I, it feels hot to me. Like it feels like a hot pinch. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, it's a very specific pain. Like, you know, when you, there is a, there is a very specific pain with periods and ovulation. Like, it's not like normal gas pains. It's not normal bloating. It's not normal muscle cramps. It's just, it's so hard to explain unless you know the feeling. Okay, so here we go. Over the summer, I was pregnant and was pretty sure I had a yeast infection. I wanted to call the nurse's line, but I but that week I had all-day teacher collaboration meetings and couldn't find the time to call and wait. Oh, sorry. 
I couldn't find the time to call and then wait on hold for an available nurse. Good news, though. I discovered my doctor's office website had a chat feature, so I typed out a nice descriptive message of what I was experiencing. They hadn't responded yet, so I left the chat open in case they did. Well, we were needing to project something we were working on so that everybody could see. We were in my classroom, so I volunteered my computer. I knew that it was set to create a separate display when I plugged it into an HDMI cord. Thought I was fine. Nope. My computer connected and started projecting the window with my chat to the nurses. I know several people, male and female, saw and probably read the chat before I yanked the HDMI cord out. I tried to move on and think nothing happened, but I was sure people were thinking about me and my stinky vagina. Okay, let's, okay, this is a great one to talk about this. First of all, that's bad. That's really bad. Second of all, the smells. Are we going to talk about the smells? Everybody has all this embarrassment and stuff about the smells. Guys, they smell. They smell weird. They smell different. They smell, you can tell a lot about what's going on by the smell. I'm just saying, uh, you know, we're deconstructing a lot of shame. Uh, I mean, if you're like me, you probably should go to therapy for the shame you need to deconstruct. But I just don't Like she even said, you know, after she said me and my stinky vagina, she said, can you even say that on your podcast? Yes, I can say that because we need to talk about it. So if you have ever felt embarrassed about a smell or something, don't. That is not that's not what we're here to do. You you own that scent. You own your brand of of scent. (laughs) Okay, next up, she says, I can't believe I'm potentially sharing this with the Internet, but it's too good. So when I was in high school, I would get really bad razor burn on my bikini line, and sometimes the bumps would get a little swollen or infected. Totally normal. They usually just went away on their own, but one time, my junior or senior year, a particular pore, maybe follicle, I'm not sure, got nicked and I guess infected and slowly kept getting bigger over time, like a balloon that's losing its helium each day and slowly falling to the floor, but in reverse. (laughs) Weird description. Anyway, so after, I don't even know how long, maybe a week or two, it got to the point where it was so big that it hurt to walk. I should mention, this is important info for later, I thought that this was maybe caused by shaving, so I didn't shave for a while in the hopes that not not irritating it would make it go down. It did not. So one day, I looked online with my mom about what to do about it, and we weren't finding anything that worked. She tried popping it, bless her heart, but that just caused insane pain and didn't work. And eventually, she just suggested I go to the emergency room, and they could cut it if needed. (sighs) She had somewhere to be, so she couldn't go with me, but she figured I'd be waiting for a while so she'd come after she was done. So I drive myself to the ER, hobble inside, because remember, it's so big that it hurts to walk, and up to the main desk. They asked me what's wrong, and I hesitated, so... They said I could write it down if I wanted. I started writing when I realized I didn't know how to spell cyst. So I wrote, I think I have a cyst, S-I-S-T, on my bikini line, and it's really painful. They take my clipboard, have me sit down, and within 10 minutes, they call me back. Pretty sure that's the shortest wait time in ER history for a non-urgent issue. So now I'm alone, going to have who knows what kind of procedure done on my nether regions. They take me to a room and the nurse or whoever tells me to undress as much as I'm comfortable with, which is not at all. Thank you. So I take off my pants and my undies. (laughs) Isn't it interesting? Do you guys, when you guys go to the gynecologist or the doctor or whatever for like some sort of checkup and you take off your pants and your underwear and you like hide your underwear, like they're not about to literally see inside your body cavity. Like you have to hide your undies. I always do that. I like tuck them down. Like, no, I don't want my gynecologist who has literally operated on thousands of vaginas to see my underwear. Anyway, I lay down with a cover on me. She comes back in, asks me where the cyst is, then pulls the area back to take a look at it. Then this woman, who I do not know, has the gall to say, well, I can't see it because there is so much hair down there. Yeah, lady, because I didn't know how to solve this, but I tried to use my critical thinking skills for a solution, and that was to not shave for a while. So at this point, I'm even more embarrassed than I was when I wrote down cyst, and she informs me she's going to have to shave the area a little bit. (gasps) I say, whatever, go ahead. She does her bushwhacking so she can see through the dense brush, and then informs me that they're going to have to excise it. Incise? I don't know cut into it so it can be drained. So she leaves to get a doctor and I'm laying there physically and emotionally 
exposed. A few minutes later, she comes back with none other than a cute, young, 20-something student doctor who, lucky him, wins the task of cutting open a cyst on my hairy hoo-ha. To say I was mortified would be a gross understatement. So I'm trying to answer his questions while making as little eye contact as possible, and he explains that he's going to numb the area and then make the incision. Now, I don't know if you've ever gotten a needle to the lady parts, but it hurts, and I already have a pretty low pain tolerance. Suffice to say, I will never be getting a vag tat. I mean, I wasn't going to before, but especially not now. So I'm laying there unsuccessfully holding back tears while student Dr. McDreamy is injecting numbing stuff down under. What's worse is I can't keep my owls quiet and he notices I'm crying and continually is saying, I'm so sorry. And in my head, I'm like, shut up, you beautiful man. I'm trying to forget you're here. I'm here and that any of this is happening. Eventually, he opens it up, drains it, puts gauze on there, which ew, and stitches me back up and talks to me about aftercare. Finally, I'm able to leave it and I could knock it out of there fast enough. The whole ordeal took probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Then, of course, I call my mom up, tell her I'm done and relay the terrible embarrassment I just went through. I think she was mixed between laughing. Whoa, did you guys hear that? That noise? I think she was. um, Where did I end up? I think she was mixed between laughing and feeling bad. And so (laughs) and feeling bad, I was by myself. But it's probably better that it wasn't a hot doctor and my mom. Anyway, that's my most embarrassing moment. Hope you got a good laugh. And thanks for always giving me a good laugh. I love the podcast. Wow, a needle to the nether regions after you got coochie hair shamed. I don't think that any doctor ever should shame any decision that a woman makes about her body. How about that? Well, um, I mean, definitely like go to your doctor if you need a decision. But I mean, like about the vanity part, like if you don't, if you don't shave, doctors should be used to that. Shaving down under became popular like what, 20 years ago? Like I am sure that they have seen plenty of hairy hoo-hahs before they bushwhacked you. So really proud of you. I once had a hot doctor. Um, so I, this is not, well, it has to do with um, my body and my butt, I guess. So I guess this story fits here. But this was probably like three or four years ago. I was on the keto diet, which don't even, I'm, don't even get me started on it. I'm sorry I was even on it. But I was on the keto diet and you get pretty backed up, I would say. And I already have some problems getting things a moving, if you know what I mean. Poop. I'm talking about poop. So I already have a hard time. So I'm on keto and it's constipating me because you're pretty much only eating, I don't know, blocks of cheese and bacon, no carbs, really low amounts of fiber. And I was pretty backed up. So I did not use the restroom for, it was like 18 days. It was like 17 or 18 days. And finally, my mom and Matt were both like, we got to go to the ER. Like I was having a ton of pain. I wasn't able to do anything about it. No laxatives were helping. I was in some serious pain. So we go to the hospital. I'm in the gown. I'm laying in bed. uh, And this hot, hot doctor walks in. Like Matt and I look over at each other and I'm like, is that doctor extremely hot? He's like, he might be extremely hot. So he had to deliver the news about my um, stool if you will, and the pains it was causing me. And it was not a moment of great dignity, but we got through it and now things are moving and I will never, ever, ever do the keto diet again. So let's move along to our next one. She says, here's my submission to the lady problems episode. It's a gyno story. Prepare yourself for something dreadful. I get a little graphic and you're welcome. I had been having gnarly pelvic pain, like menstrual cramps, but only on one side for two weeks. We're talking pain from my middle back to the front of my pelvis, just pure aches and pains. So I went to my gyno, who I've known for 12 years and trust wholeheartedly to get it checked out. She thinks I have a cyst right off the bat, and she says she'd like to do a full pelvic exam and get a cervical swab to check for infections or other possible causes. So I gown up and get on the table. I was in so much pain that my muscles wouldn't stop tensing, and I'm sitting there feeling like I'm going to pass out from the muscle cramps. Those duck lips did not feel good. What's that thing called? Is it like a uh, speculum? The thing like they could have made those a little less frightening. They look like torture devices. So they did not feel good. And as she's rummaging around down there telling me to breathe, I'm taking <laughs> I'm taking an air like a damn puffer fish. I suddenly feel this nerve ping deep in my hips and spine and my whole back arches off the table. We're talking the exorcist. She peeks up over the gown between my knees and says, oh gosh, 
we seem to have triggered your vagus nerve. <laughs> this is Vegas spelled like V-A-G-U-S, not like Las Vegas. <laughs> I said that that word to Matt the other day and he was like, why'd they name it after Las Vegas? I'm like, no, that's, that's not what it is. So your vagus nerve, which I had never heard of till that very moment and asked my therapist to explain to me the next day. Yes, emergency appointment. Thank you very much. Is this gnarly huge nerve that runs through your spine into your abdomen and connects you to lots of your internal organs. It essentially transmits transmits signals from all of your abdominal organs up to your brain. But since there are so many organs, the pain signal can get crossed and the nerve can become extra sensitive. It's an amazing and powerful nerve system. I'm so glad I know about it now. And apparently we uh, tripped mine in the search for an ovarian cyst. She finishes up as I'm like, tantric yoga breathing to get myself to calm down. And we get all done. She then goes, okay, quick rectal exam to make sure we're not worried the pain is from there. And, you know, fingers, well, multiple fingers up my butt. So much fun. The icing on the cake, I don't have a cyst or an infection. And the problem is probably something chiropractic, probably made worse from my back arching exorcist style. We're figuring it out. But at the least I know what my vagus or my vagus nerve is now. Google it. It's fascinating. Well, I did Google it. You guys don't know because I edited out the pause, but I did, in fact, Google what the vagus nerve is. So it says the vagus nerve carries an extensive range of signals from digestive system and organs to the brain and vice versa. It is the 10th cranial nerve extending from its origin in the brainstem through the neck and the thorax down to the abdomen. That honestly just named every single body part. Like that is, it seems like a very important nerve and it does not sound comfortable if somebody is poking around down there and hits it. Okay, next up. She says, I was a freshman in high school. I had crazy heavy periods that lasted a month. I also happened to be the first of it, my gosh. Dan Cummins, who's a podcaster I really like, he always talks about mush mouth, like when he's reading something or reciting something and your mouth just turns to mush. I have been getting that more and more. So I'm sorry if that is so unpleasant to hear me say, but I'm just trying to figure out words. They're hard. So she says, it also happened to be the first month of high school, which is stressful as it is. During biology, I was sitting next to a boy who was a friend of mine. I was wearing light gray gauchos. Ooh, iconic. I got up to get one of the worksheets we were supposed to grab and take to our desks. When I came back to my stool, I saw that it was wet. I didn't have a tissue on me, so for some reason, I took my worksheet and used it to wipe whatever I thought had fallen from the ceiling onto my stool. To my horror, bright red blood smeared across the paper. The boy next to me yells, Are you bleeding from your butt? Everyone stopped what they were doing and stared at me. My friend handed me her jean jacket and I wrapped it around my waist and walked up to the front of the room to ask my teacher if I could go to the nurse's office. I cried on a cot and walked up to the front of the room. Oh, wait, I cried on a cot in her office until my mom showed up with a new pair of pants about 20 minutes later. I then had to walk back into my biology class, grab a tissue and hand sanitizer and wipe down my seat in front of everyone. Why I didn't just go home with my mom after that traumatizing experience, I will never know. I would give my left leg for all men to experience six months worth of having periods at some point in their life. Not just a one-time thing, but six straight months of it. I want so badly for them to understand how horrible it is for us to bleed and cramp and experience the trauma for just enough time to appreciate how crappy it is for us. I totally agree with that male birth control. Like I think we're there, right? But things like this, like I got my period when I was 11. Like I was young, 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 young. So every single memory that I have of my period growing up was traumatic because it was either like, oh my gosh, it's just so scary. And you don't know how to talk about it. Like I didn't even know if I could tell my friends. And then you get hit like, you know, 14, 15, you're hanging out with boys. It's just... Oh, if you're raising boys, if you have children, please make sure that they don't find periods gross because one day they're going to sit next to a girl in biology who's going to bleed through her pants. And you know what? Your son is going to be the one who offers her comfort and who has a tampon in his backpack. That's what I want. If I ever have kids or boys, I am going to make sure that they carry tampons with them because I want them to be the guy friend that makes the girls feel comfortable. I didn't have one single guy friend that I could have talked to a period about. I'm pretty sure Matt is the first person or first male that I've talked about my period with. Like, I don't know. Let's go on to the next one. 
She says, I have what I always thought was a mole, but we will discover later in the story that it is technically something else on one side of my labia. Sorry to use that word. It's one of those words I don't love the sound of, even though it is scientifically and anatomically correct, but I hate calling them lips. And the only other word I could come up with was flap. And that is considerably worse. I would not like to think of my body as having flaps. Anyway, you get the picture. I've got a mole down there. Not a flat mole, a protruding mole. Side note, I used to have a large protruding mole in between my boobs, like a third nipple. I called it a nubbin, like on Friends. <laughs> but it had been removed because I, emba- I was embarrassed of it. But back to the actual story. When you are pregnant, you have to get real comfortable with other people touching and seeing your body at the doctor's office. I went in for a routine appointment. In the room was my doctor and one nurse who happened to be my best friend's mother. The doc is, you know, doing his thing. And I'm thinking about literally anything else besides the fact that some nerdy middle-aged man is fingering me while my best friend's mom watches. I forgot it said that. I wasn't going to... I was going to edit that part out, but now I'm keeping it in. He says... Oh, have you always had this skin tag? Oh, it's a skin tag, not a mole, is what I was thinking when my doctor proceeded to flick it. You read that right. My OBGYN was flicking my skin tag on my labia. Why? Why add that extra? Why do that? Why do you have to? Is that like that can't be a medical procedure? Like that can't be in the books when somebody has a skin tag, make sure it has flickability. That's the end of that story. It's just it's just a, a skin tag flick from your OBGYN. Not great. Next. It was garbage day, so I emptied all our household garbages and made my husband take them out to the trash can and put the trash can in the street before work. The trash truck usually comes around noon. Well, around 10 comes a huge windstorm. It stops. Garbage man comes later. Hours go by. Around 5 p.m., I go outside to take a walk with my kids. My bloody tampons were everywhere, multiple in the street, on the sidewalk, spread out all over my lawn, on my neighbor's lawn, everywhere. I frantically started grabbing all of them and throwing them in the trash can. I wonder how many people walked by and saw everything beforehand. I wonder how many people saw me picking them up. I'm still horrified. Okay, here's what I'm horrified about. What if they weren't yours? What if they weren't yours? What if the windstorm blew down everybody's trash cans and they were somebody else's bloody tampons and you walked around and picked up somebody else? says. I mean, you must have known for sure that they were yours. Otherwise, you wouldn't have touched them because, I mean, like I wouldn't even risk the thought of like picking up a handful of somebody else's bloody tampons. Anyway, next. A few months ago, I went in for a routine pap. I have a lady gyno for a reason, but she asked if the male student who was shadowing her could come in. I said yes, because I don't know how to say no to people. She then asked if I was okay with him doing part of my exam. I once again, being weak, said yes. Of course, this male student was not much older than I and and could not find my cervix for the life of him. As he sat with his hands up my hoo-ha, trying to find it, he tried making small talk. No, sir, that's an absolute no from me. We do not need to be conversing right now. But I think what was worse than him being down in my lady regions was when him and my OBGYN tag team my breast exam. I laid topless with my arms above my head as he rubbed one titty and she rubbed the other. I don't know. Their faces were just too close to my face. I preferred him searching for my cervix. To top it all off, as they were leaving my room, she grabbed the box of tissues and held them out to me so I could clean myself up. I took one tissue and she raised her eyebrows in motion for me to take more. So I took another. She raised her eyebrows again and motioned for me to take more and says, trust me, you haven't seen the mess he made down there. Thanks for that one, doc. That is not what you want to hear after a vaginal exam. Like, oh, there's a real mess down there. Like, that is not what you want to be told by your doctor. Also, let's talk about breast exams. They just, they don't even like, sometimes I feel like they don't even realize that it is attached to my body. Like, they just are mushing it around like it's a, like, piece of dough. Like they just squish, 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 squish. They feel your nipple. It's so unsexy. Like it is not the sensation that I want. Okay, next. How long have we been going? I kind of feel like we might need to do a part two to this because I got so many. We might have to do a part two. TBD. So she goes on or she begins. I didn't have sex before I got married. So the only item of my (laughs) vagina... Why? Sometimes the way you guys phrase things, like, how does this come into your brain? 
I didn't have sex before I got married. So the only item on my vagina's resume was monthly tampon usage. So I knew I was in for something uncomfy with my first pelvic exam. At the time, my overall anxiety was through the roof, and I had so many people tell me about their unpleasant experiences with gynecology exams, so I was not feeling zen. I knew the doctor was going to check things out down there, but when I thought it was done, she was like, are you ready for your pap smear? I was not, but because I didn't have to, (laughs) let's see, but because I didn't want to have to face her down there again anytime soon, I agreed. She then asked me if a student doctor who was in the room the whole time, by the way, could take a whack at it, and I agreed without even thinking, thinking it through because I was so panicked. They put in that plastic gun thing inside of me and I was surprised with how uncomfortable I felt and was so proud of myself. Uh, So they opened it click by click and I was totally fine. And she asked about my pain. I said I felt great thinking it was over, but no. Without warning, she clicked it a few more times while I felt a vaginal pain slash pressure I'd never experienced before. My whole body tensed up so fast and honest to baby Jesus, the plastic opener thing shot out of my vaginal canal back at the student doctor. I was so embarrassed and tried to break the ice asking if that thing happens all the time. She coldly told me, no. Tears of pain and embarrassment streamed down my face while she did it again and got the swab. I left feeling defeated, but also proud of how strong my vagina apparently was. That's, you're doing your kegels. If you can shoot something out, you are doing your kegels. Next. She says, I'm pregnant with baby number three right now, and so my biggest lady problem is how all rules of common sense and decency go completely out the window in regards to what's actually okay to do slash say to a pregnant woman. Luckily, because of COVID, not too many people have seen me yet to make comments, so my stories come from previous pregnancies. With my first baby, I started having some acne slash skin problems, and one day my mom straight up said to me, Wow, you must be having a girl because she's stealing all of your be- all of your beauty. Like what? With my second baby, while at a family gathering, some of the fam were talking about their recent weight loss and how they met health goals, etc. My uncle says, "Yeah, everybody's looking great. Well, except for you." Again, what? I strongly believe that you should never comment on someone's body ever, but for real, when you're pregnant, people feel like they can do or say anything to you and it's somehow okay. Newsflash, it's not. Never okay to rub someone's belly and say, wow, you're getting so big. Imagine doing that to somebody who's not pregnant. Yikes. Why is it suddenly okay now? I don't get it. Bottom line, if you wouldn't do it to a non-pregnant person, don't do it to a pregnant person. This was is just, yeah, a general complaint because here's the the true unfairness of being a woman and having babies and all of that is that it comes with body changes, hormone changes, and a lot of like negative things that happen to your body and you're in pain a lot. And it feels like if we are creating life, we should like feel our best, like look our best, be ultra powerful. Like I want to be able to like deadlift a car when I'm pregnant. Like I feel like I should have superhuman strength. I don't feel like it should make us weaker. Like everything that sucks about being a woman has like four things that also branch off of it that suck even more. Pregnancy is one of them. Like it sucks to be pregnant. And then there's a branch of like people commenting on your body. Your pelvis hurts all the time. Stretch mark. Like there's so many things. I just, I've never been pregnant, but I just... I feel for you. Let's not comment on it. That's a general complaint that I sign off on. We're not commenting on bodies anymore. First, the reason I'm here. The problem started with the absence of a period, aka pregnancy. We were thrilled, so excited to have a baby. I went in to be induced and everything was normal. When I decided it was time for an epidural, or it was time for an epidural, do you decide? Do you decide when you get your epidural? I didn't know that you could decide yourself. We called the anesthesiologist, whose name is 100% William Shakespeare. Wild. I expected to sit on the edge of the bed and lean over because that's what I knew about epidurals. But instead, he had me lay on my side and curl up in a, t- in a ball as tight as I could. Not a problem. It seemed like it would even be more comfortable. He starts doing his thing. And while I'm laying there having contractions curled up in a ball, I'm suddenly very gassy. I'm trying to hold still and hold it all in. The needle goes in and he's guiding it in my back. Epidurals seem terrible. Um, But the longest fart of my life slips out. The nurse and our pal Will are totally cool about it, saying they've seen worse and don't be embarrassed and yada, yada, yada. However, my husband still, my husband thinks it's hilarious and I'm an embarrassed laugher. So we're just cracking up. All while there's a needle in my back with the laughing comes an inability to keep holding in farts. So they just keep coming. So many toots. So embarrassing. 
I feel like toots, toots are another thing. Sorry, I keep saying toots, farts, gas. I don't know. I just feel like that's another thing we should normalize. I'm always really confused when people don't fart in front of each other. Matt and I were farting in front of each Like we're so comfortable with it that sometimes we'll like be in a fight and one of us will fart and like we don't even notice it. Like it doesn't even like it's just a part of life. Like, I don't know how you live with somebody and they don't hear you fart. However, I am still a nervous bathroom user. Like, I turn the fan and the sink and I, like, light a bunch of candles. Like, I don't know why. It's more of a comfort thing than an embarrassment thing. Okay, next up. So this was one of, if not my first experience, with a gynecologist. I'd never had anyone get up in my business down there and I was pretty uncomfortable. Then to make it even worse worse, worse. When I was done with my pap smear, my doctor pulled my hand to help me from lying down on the table and pulled me into a hug. I was in a backless gown and he patted me on my naked back while hugging me. I was so confused and disgusted. Pretty sure if that happened now, I would file a complaint or something so gross and made me feel so weird. Any unwelcome hug, I don't even care who it's from, but especially if it's from the guy who was just peering inside of your vagina no, don't hug me. Like, do not hug me. I don't want, I don't even want them to make eye contact with me. Like, don't even, don't even come near. Okay, this next one. It, I left, an, I put a note up top that says the, the word cooch is in this quite a bit. Um, like, probably 15 times. <laughs> so just to warn you, she says, boy, do I have a story for you. For Christmas, I decided instead of getting my husband any old Christmas gift, Christmas gift off his list, I would give him a boudoir photo shoot of myself. I know, risque. Anything to keep that marriage spice alive. I talked with my best friend, who's a photographer, and we planned to have me fly her out to have these pictures taken. The date of the pictures was just a couple of days before Thanksgiving, so I planned to fly from taking pictures straight to Thanksgiving with my family. About a week before photos, I decided to get waxed. I had never been waxed before, but after many persuading conversations with experienced friends, I made an appointment. Holy hell, the pain was unreal. I expected it to be painful, but I did not expect to be arching my back in utter pain, all whilst grunting profanities and kneeing my waxing lady in the boobs. I came home from the appointment, glad it was over, and swore to never get waxed again. But the waxing session was the least of my worries. I developed the most intense and insane rash I had ever had all over my cooch. I'm not just talking up top, but down below where the sun don't shine. Huge red bumps that burned and itched like nothing I've ever experienced. I couldn't wear underwear or pants for days. The pain was so excruciating. I put wet rags in my freezer and lived in a bathrobe, legs spread wide on my couch and sat there all day icing my cooch. Oh, and I and did I mention the swelling? Take a good look down there and imagine your lady bits blowing up to be four times their size. I was icing and applying cortisone cream to her like no one's business. I called my friends frantic about what to do, but she encouraged me to still come take the pictures and she could edit out any redness that peeked out from the lingerie. I finally decided that it must have been an allergic reaction to the wax because some of the wax got into my stomach and that area also broke out into a rash. The rash spread from my cooch to my inner thighs and on my stomach. I wore joggers on the plane with no underwear and put so much cortisone cream on that when I found a bathroom after my flight, I had a giant spot right on top of my crotch. Perfect. Oh, like a like a wet spot from the cortisone. I pushed through the photos with my friends and to my amazement, you couldn't see a thing. Not only... No, oh, no one would know from the photos that under that lingerie was a red bumpy cottage cheese cooch. <laughs> cottage cheese cooch is a phrase I would be just fine, never hearing again. But then I had to face an entire weekend with my family over Thanksgiving. I literally had to go to the store to try and find low crotch hanging pants to try and enjoy my commando weekend. <laughs> you can wear basketball shorts. Like, how come bas I hate basketball shorts. I hate wearing them. I hate the way they look. I hate basketball shorts. It took about two weeks to fully heal, but oh my gosh, what a nightmare. Free the cooch, folks. Don't put her under that kind of scrutiny. She will lash out and show you who is boss. I will never again get waxed. Poor coochie girl. So getting waxed. Yeah. So I'm obviously, you guys know this, I'm technically an esthetician. So I've done Brazilian waxes and I have also had them performed on me. A lot of people message me like waxing stories, but had questions about it. So I'm just going to give you guys like my two cents about Brazilian waxing. So you can do a bikini line wax, which is just like everything that would hang out of a swimsuit bottom. You can just have that waxed. waxed. You can do a full bikini wax, which is just like your 
I know that the technical name for a vagina is a vulva. Like the outside part is a vulva. So you can get all of that wax. That's a bikini wax. And then a Brazilian is when you go all the way up the back, all the way up your B crack. And I, I don't hate getting waxed. I know so many people who do a really good job waxing and it's like 15 minutes, just like clean as a whistle. And I actually prefer waxing to getting laser. Laser for me was way more painful. Laser for me was like, if you could imagine the pain of like getting hit with a rubber band, like when people pull it up on your skin and let it snap, that's what getting laser felt like for me. But a lot of people prefer laser because eventually you're going to stop doing it. And then you just have to go in every now and then to get a touch up on your laser. But yeah, bikini waxing and Brazilian waxing, you just got to go like, don't go to somebody in school. I know they your friends are in esthetician school and they want you to come in and see them, but just go to a professional. They should have like gloves. They should have supplies. They should have, it should not be like a sketchy operation. You should go in and it should, it should be a very easy process to get a Brazilian wax. So if you are having like anything bizarre or it's taking too long, so many people submitted stories that like they couldn't get the wax out or it ripped off my skin. Like be careful who you choose to go to your Brazilian waxes for because unless they're experienced, it's going to be a really rough situation. My very first roommate after high school, she was in aesthetic school and she had just gotten her waxing stuff and we were on the bathroom floor and she was like, let's just try it. Like how hard can waxing be? So we just like poured wax all. Oh my gosh. It was such a nightmare. We had to like snip the wax. Oh, oh, a bad waxing experience. There is no pain like it. Sometimes Matt will get like his brows waxed or his nose waxed or his chest waxed. And he'll be like, it is just so painful. I'm like, try doing it on your vulva. Okay. On the most nerve centric part of human anatomy. Tell me what that feels like to have hot wax and then have 600 million hairs ripped out of it. Okay. Don't come for me and tell me that male waxing is more painful. (sighs) Okay. I think we're, oh, we are like out of time. Okay. Well, do you guys want to do a part two? If you do, I'll do a question on my Instagram today, okay? And you guys can decide if next week we do another vagina episode. You can also submit your stories if you want. I'll open up submissions again. Or if we want to do another topic, because I thought this was a good one, I didn't realize how long it would take to tell those few stories. So uh, I'll put a poll up and we can decide. But I hope, you know, that talking about this helped you feel a little bit more you know, a little less alone. I hope you know that all of us deal with all of these things. It's funny, it's terrible, and we can commiserate together. And I'm not going to be embarrassed that I just did an entire podcast episode where I said vulva, vagina, and coochie fairly often because we're not hearing that enough in our life. (laughs) Free the cooch. So I will talk to you guys next week. No matter what the topic is, I will be back next week. Remember, you can sign up for Patreon. The link is always in my bio to sign up for that. Um, The top tier is $8 a month and you get two extra full episodes. So if you want to do that, head there. And wow, I love you guys. I hope you feel powerful as women and you have a very good, safe week. Love you so much. Bye. (laughs)